0: Welcome to the Sunday Sermons podcast. It was recorded on a Sunday morning at Morrison Hill Christian Church in Kingston, Tennessee. Our prayer is that the truths and strategies presented in this message will equip you to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Morrison Hill Christian Church. It's not morning, it's an afternoon. We're doing a uh, make up kind of a session here. This part will be deleted from the final audio version. But if you're watching this on video, you may have been part of the big group that tried to join us Sunday morning and then our internet crashed. And uh, we went over to Facebook. It was a whole big mess. But you know what? Jesus told us. <laughs> he told us that in this world we'd have trouble. That was not planned, I promise you. But we're trying to get this in one big package. So if you're some of the people that are re-watching this, trying to hear it all in one spot and a little smoother... Thank you, and thank you for everybody who's joining and watching in. Um, we really appreciate you in this crazy season trying to stay connected with God and even with us uh, through the internet. Well, today starts a two-part series called Peace That Passes Understanding. One of my favorite authors is David Kinneman from the Barna Research Group. He says, 2020 has amped up the volume on all the things we humans worry about and added new ones, too. And maybe you're thinking, hey, I already knew that. That's awesome. Well, I still, I really recommend David Kenneman and his work. So I wanted to use his name today. But I also want you to pay attention to this phrase. amped up the volume on all the things we humans worry about. We're going to come back to that several times in a few minutes. And I really want you to think about that. See, in 2020, there has been some really brand new things that have happened. There have been some things we didn't expect. A lot of really frustrating things. But the fears, the doubts, the questions, they're actually recurring themes. And the way we react to them, Christians and non-Christians, Americans and people from all the nations around the world, it's really just how human beings have reacted to these fears over and over throughout time. Does anybody out there remember Y2K? I do. And it's hard for me to believe it's been 20 years ago. But as 1999 was rolling over into 2000, It got crazy. I remember Best Buy was putting out stickers that looked like this and posters. Don't forget to shut your computer off on the last day of 1999. And we were seriously afraid that the world was going to shut down, that power would go out, that banks would erase all the money, that that, there was so many different crazy things. But I remember going to a Barnes & Noble. That's another thing I miss these days is how many bookstores there used to be and how normal it was to just be able to go and hang out in a bookstore and have a a choice between them. But I remember going into this one specific day, going into a Barnes & Noble, and there were two books on Y2K, And I kind of glanced through them. Both of them were pretty technical. Here's what's going on. Here's why we're worried about it. Here's some things maybe you should think about doing. Same day, I went to a Christian bookstore and I counted them. There were 15 books, 15 books at a Christian bookstore about Y2K and why we should be worried and what we should do about it. Christians were really losing their mind. Well, fast forward to today. And if you go to Knoxville right this second, you can't get into any store without wearing a mask and some other basic protocols we're starting to be expecting around uh, a lot of places in America today. But if you go to Best Buy, they won't even let you in the door. I'm I'm not picking on Best Buy in the spirit of Jesus saying we should remove the log from our own eye before we start trying to take a splinter out of someone else's. I'm just pointing out that these are trends that, tend to happen this is not all new information or all new all new different ways of handling the fears that we face and and christians sometimes are the worst and i don't understand this because we have something that the scriptures call peace that passes understanding at our fingertips we have something that jesus himself promised to us and that's what we're going to be exploring the next 2 weeks. Today and next week we're going to be how do we access this? How do we experience this? What exactly did Jesus promise and how do we connect with that? How do we live this out in our life? Well, there's two big concepts that are actually called peace in the scripture. The first has to do mostly with total trust in God. It it come, that part of the that kind of peace actually sounds and feels more like a feeling which is what we normally think of when we talk about peace in English. Uh, we feel peaceful. We feel chill. But The first one is, comes closer to that, but it's deeper than that. It's not so much a feeling. It's not something that happens because you're so naive or you just don't get how dangerous things really are. What it is is you totally trust God. You really believe that He knows best. And that gives you the ability to press through whatever you're having to face. There may be fear and doubt and questions swirling around in your heart and your mind the whole time. And they may be real and they may be big. But your deep total trust in God, knowing that he's there with you and he's in control, carries you through. That's one of the big concepts that we call peace. That Jesus and several other authors in the scripture call peace. The other one that we see weaving through all the scriptures, the stories and many of the teachings throughout the scriptures is healthy relationships kind of a peace. This is peace with God, peace with other people. Uh, A lot of times that concept of peace is tied in with justice and with righteousness and with wisdom and other things that this is how you live. And when you live this way, things just go better. It's just you—you're you, in touch with God. You're in touch with other people. There aren't all these things to divide us and to break us apart. Jesus was kind of talking about all of these things, but especially the first one on the night that he had the first Last Supper with his with his disciples. We looked at this story last week, um, and it was—we um, went into some detail, uh, Luke twenty-two. John 13 is where we were kind of percolating, marinating last time. But um, in that day, Jesus spent a lot of time preparing for it. And that night, he started it out by washing his disciples' feet. And then he spent a lot of time Teaching them, not just that teachable moment about how we need to serve each other humbly, just like he showed us how to do. But also, he, that was the night that he told us a bunch of stuff. He, he promised the Holy Spirit would be with us. He promised that he was going to prepare a place for us. He told us about that he was the vine and we're the branches and how that whole thing worked. And then in John 16, all that other stuff is happening between John 13 and John 16. Toward the end of John 16, Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I'm going to read that one more time. Really listen to that. Jesus is unpacking exactly how this works in these couple of verses. He, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Earlier that night, John 14 is where John records this. He, Jesus had said this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Again, this is in the context of total trust in Him. John 14, verse 6, just a couple verses earlier than that, is where Jesus said His famous statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying you can't have the kind of peace that I'm offering anywhere else. You can't have the kind of peace that I'm trying to give you from any other source except from um, me. So that's where we start today. That's where both of these days where we explore everything the Bible has to say about peace, both virgins and how they all intersect and intertwine. We can only find true peace in Jesus. We can only find true peace in Jesus. We've got to get our hearts and our heads around that. And that's where we start to experience this peace that passes understanding. The Apostle Paul makes it almost as clear as Jesus does. He writes in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. This, again, is something we've been exploring quite a bit lately, and that is that there are often a both-and kind of a thing going on, really deep things going on in Scripture. And sometimes we get distracted and try to over-define these concepts. But here you see God, through Jesus, has set something up. We have been made right with God. There's nothing we could have done for ourselves to make that possible. This is all God. This is His plan. This is His predestination if you want to call it this is him setting everything up through jesus christ and yet as always he also leaves a lot of choices up to us the choice whether we can experience this or not is up to us we have to choose to follow jesus we have to choose to accept his offer we have to choose to repent and be baptized and live our life, exploring and learning and applying all the things that he taught and bringing others to him. The, the, those are choices we make. We have to choose to serve others, to serve what he knows others would think of as the least of these or serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those are choices we make. He holds us accountable to make those choices. But here's another choice he leaves up. This is important. Romans 8 verse 6, Paul says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I'm going to read that one more time. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And once again, we see God doing what we cannot, but a real choice left up to us. Our sinful nature is not just a temptation to sin or our kind of tendency to do things that are wrong in God's eyes. It's really the attitude, the part of us that's always kind of questioning and fearing and doubting and saying, you know what, I don't really trust God that much. I'm going to do what I think is best instead. That's our sinful nature. And those voices are always still in our heads, whether they come from us or other sources. We never totally stop hearing those voices. But like David Kinneman says, we can crank up the volume on those fears and doubts, or we can turn the volume down. That's a choice we have. And for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we can let the Spirit control our minds, control our thoughts we can turn up the volume on the holy spirit speaking to us or not that is a choice that we have that is something that we have control over because he has made that possibility possible and here's the reality we need to know how to do this because jesus himself told us in this world we will have trouble in this world we will have trouble Now, there are a lot of things that Jesus said that were just totally revolutionary to the people that he was speaking to then. And maybe we don't realize it because we grew up hearing Jesus's voice. But there are a lot of things he said that just totally shocked them. Honestly, this idea is not one of those. The idea that God is not necessarily going to shield us from any and all harm, but instead is going to meet us there and make good come out of everything one way or another, that's throughout the scriptures. Here's one example from Psalm 34. If you're looking at the slide there, I've just highlighted a couple of key words in here, but just listen to the powerful truth. This is a hopeful passage. This is a joyful passage, but listen to everything that it's saying. The eyes of the Lord watch over to those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles. But the Lord comes to the rescue every time. Do you hear how hopeful that is? How wonderful that is? as whenever we're in trouble, God is there. If we are the righteous, the ones who are actually living life his way, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. But notice also that God is hearing us in our trouble. He is rescuing us from our trouble. He is being close to us when we are brokenhearted. He's not necessarily, sometimes he does, but not necessarily always shielding us from those things. In fact, Jesus himself said, in this world you will face trouble. There's two stories about people panicking in boats I want to just highlight. I think you've all heard these stories before. I just want to highlight those to make a couple other points. Then we're going to get really practical with this. But in the Old Testament, there's a story about people panicking in a storm in a boat. It's in the book of Jonah. And these sailors that Jonah had gotten a ride with to run from God, they're they're panicking because this massive storm is happening. And Jonah goes to them and he says, hey, you know what? Uh, I think this is my fault. I'm running from the God who created this ocean and these skies. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he's mad at me. If you throw me in, then this storm will probably stop. Now, Jonah did a lot of wrong things. He was a pretty messed up prophet. But here's, here's something that he was right about. He realized that this particular problem he was in was his own fault. And that's kind of a whole other subject where I feel like most of the stuff that we really struggle with the most are the things that aren't our fault. Our biggest questions that we have about life and questions for God even are, are questions where we feel like righteous people are suffering or we're suffering in ways that we don't deserve. That's how we feel. That's what we think. Those are where most of our questions are. But the truth is sometimes, actually a lot of times, the suffering that we go through is actually our own fault. And when that's true, the first step to getting through that is not just to kind of claim peace in Jesus, but to own up to that. That's probably one of the few good things Jonah did in this story, was to own up to his, his, that was his fault. Fast forward, though, to a story of Jesus and his disciples, another familiar one. His disciples are panicking because they're in a storm in a boat, and Jesus is sleeping through it. They wake him up. Mark records it like this. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. In other words, he's not talking about their faith cosmically. He's not saying you don't even believe there's a God or anything like that. He's saying, why don't you trust me more than you fear these waves? You see the difference? This peace that he's expecting them to have is rooted in their total trust in him. Yeah, he, they believed God sent him. They believed he was the Messiah. Or at least they were starting to grasp that a little bit uh, the longer they spent time with him. But they were starting to get all that. But when push came to shove and their fear, they were cranking up the volume on their fears and their doubts. They weren't so sure anymore. They were turning down the volume on all those things they had said that they believed. And Jesus says, to, why don't you trust me more. He doesn't condemn them for having fears and doubts, but he's saying, why don't you trust me more than that? Same concept again in Ephesians 6, Paul's famous passage where he talks about we have to have the armor of God to face our enemy and to face the conflicts of life. That we're not against flesh and blood, other human beings, but we're against spiritual forces in this world. We have to wear this armor. I don't know if it ever struck you weird. It strikes me weird that part of this armor are the shoes of peace. Sometimes called the shoes of readiness or the shoes of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There's different ways it's translated, but it has to do with peace. Why? Because, well, the best way I can explain it is Chacos. I love Chacos. Those are my very favorite shoes. If I ever get a chance to pick out what shoes I'm wearing and I'm not trying to be dressed up or... You know, more presentable for some reason. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be wearing Chacos. In the summer, I wear them all the time. When I'm at camp, at Spunky Mountain Christian Camp, I literally just wear them every single day, all day long. Now, why? Because you can walk in them, you can run in them, you can hike in them, you can swim in them, you can climb up on things and jump off of them. You, you, can, you, you can wear them to do anything. There, there are probably better hiking shoes, but when you want to swim, you have to take them off. There are probably better water shoes, but when you want to hike, you have to switch shoes again. But when you are wearing Chacos, you're always ready. Let me tell you something. This is how the peace that passes understanding works. This is what it does. Because we're always ready. We're ready to face whatever comes because we trust God and because our relationships are in place. We know we are connected to God and with some other people that are going to help us get through it. We'll talk more about that again next week. But it all ties together. And I believe that all of this is what Jesus was saying when he said, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Paul writes this in Colossians 3. He says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, hope that's very familiar to everybody. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Notice he's inviting us to let. This is a choice we're making. We're turning up the volume on something, turning it down on something else. He's saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To rule means there's other things involved, other people involved. There is something or someone that is ruling. They're in control. So he's not saying there are no fears, no doubts, no questions. He's saying, let the peace of Christ rule over all of that. And when we do that, we, we, we are putting our total trust in God, knowing that God can sometimes bring good out of our suffering and he can make us stronger, more like him, even out of things that the devil plans, even things that the devil does to attack us. Romans 16, Paul is wrapping up this letter to the Roman church and he's complimenting them on a few things, but listen to this powerful truth. He says, but everyone knows you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and stay innocent of doing any wrong. Again, this is the piece uh, that's more relational, swirling in with it. I hope you can see that. He's asking them to be really, really good, really really skilled, really practiced, excellent at doing the right thing, but to be innocent or or not very good. They haven't practiced that much. They're, They're not experienced at doing the wrong thing. And he says... Then the God of peace, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. When we put our trust completely in Jesus, then God steps in and does the stuff that we cannot, against powers that we cannot control. And he wraps up saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The Great Commission is the thing we come back to over and over here at Morrison Hill Christian Church because we like any other church anywhere that's actually trying to follow the teachings of Jesus. Know how central that is. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all especially focus on Jesus' official final great commission that he made to his disciples before he ascended. He'd already died and risen, and then as he's leaving, he's saying, listen, I need you to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I've commanded you. They all include in one way or another the idea that he's going to be with us and that we have to do that because all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to Jesus. But John reminds us also in his account that Jesus, even before he died, was telling, this, telling them this. He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. How had God sent Jesus? Jesus. Well, he'd sent them with purpose. He'd sent him with power. He'd sent him with presence. Jesus had the Holy Spirit with him. He had access to God the Father all the time. Jesus knew that he had a destiny, that he had helped form. But every single choice he made in that direction was a real choice that really mattered, just like the choices that God gives us all the time. And he's sending us out the same way. And Jesus faced suffering. And he knew that going into the whole thing. He knew going into this whole plan before he was born and laid in a manger as his first bed. Before he went through any of the things he went through. He knew that there was going to be suffering involved. That God was not going to spare him from all suffering. But he also knew that on the other side of that, things would be better. He knew that he could trust God completely. He knew that he could trust that plan completely. And that's how he is sending us. And that's why we can take heart. I'd like you to do that right now. If you're near anyone next to you, just look at them for a second. Just say that. Take heart. It's going to be okay. Because God is always working. One of my favorite illustrations of that is Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 starts out with this guy named Saul who's persecuting the church. He's actually impre- imprisoning a lot of the people who are believers, and he wants to kill them. It never actually says he kills them, but he wants to, it says, and he's trying, and, and he wants to kill them, but it says he imprisoned a bunch of them, and he's on his way to Damascus, and the story goes, and by the end of chapter 9, this one chapter in Acts, his name is different, his destiny is different, everything is different. Now he is the Apostle Paul that we've been walking through his teachings this entire time together this morning. This guy is transformed. In this chapter, you see this whole thing. And by the end of chapter 9, this is the last verse, it says, The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. When we trust God, when we choose to do that, when we choose to be about His way of life, the same way the early church was. Yes, there was persecution. Yes, there were hard times. Yes, there were sufferings, stuff to be afraid of, stuff to have a lot of questions and doubts about. But the peace took them through it anyway. Again, as we start to wrap up this morning, here are a couple other things. Just a couple reminders. Again, to the Old Testament, these same ideas are there. We see them so clearly. Psalm 119, 165 says, those who love your instructions, this is a prayer to God, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. They're, they're, no, they're putting their total trust in God. Proverbs one thirty three says, but all who listen to me will live in peace. This is a part of Proverbs where they personified wisdom. as this beautiful woman calling out saying, come to me, come to me, let me show you how life actually works. And she says, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Notice she doesn't say they will never come to any harm. They're going to be untroubled by fear of harm. When they live correctly, when they stay in relationship with God, with others, the way He designed life to work. They they, they don't live in troubled spirits. The peace somehow transcends all of that. We as Christians can experience a kind of peace that even we don't understand. We have access to a kind of peace that the rest of the world won't understand. But it only happens when we do these two things. When we completely trust God We completely trust God enough to, in the moment, we turn up the volume on his voice inside of us and we turn down the volume on all the other voices. And in the same moment, we are also staying connected to him and to others who are going to help us through it. We're believing that he's there. We're experiencing that. And when we experience all of those things, that is the peace that passes understanding. I'd like to share a very personal Story where I experienced this. It was one of the hardest days of my life. But some somewhere between our third son Ransom and our fourth son Justice being born, we lost a child, and just that experience in and of itself was pretty rough. A lot harder than I imagined it could possibly be until we went through it. But it got even worse because when Kim lost that baby, uh, she started hemorrhaging uh, just incredibly. It was. Unbelievable how much blood there was. So there wasn't time to get an ambulance there. We actually had to drive. And I had three very small boys at the time. Somehow in the midst of this craziness, Kim really believed she was dying and it looked like she was. But somehow in the midst of this, I was able to get the boys buckled into their seatbelts in the back seat to get her in the front and head out and start driving toward Knoxville. And somewhere in the midst of this, I was I was praying and I was just Not only the loss, but the fear and just the desperation and everything was going on. And I I, I just kind of, I don't even remember my words at all, but just a desperate prayer to God. And I remember him saying to me, it's one of the few times in my whole life where I really heard a voice. We never, those of us who hear God's voice sometimes, we never for sure if we hear it, if it's in our hearts. I don't know, but I I heard these words. She's going to be okay. She's not going to die today. And I knew that. I knew that was God. And somehow in the middle, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't look like what was going on. We're driving down the road. I'll never forget. I've got the clickers on. I'm just praying that somehow we'll make it in time. Uh, when we got there, by the way, uh, she had lost so much blood, they could hardly believe that she was still alive. But She was. What God had told me was real. But even in that moment, I remember I'm driving down the road, and the boys are in the back with just these huge worried eyes, and Kim's saying goodbye to them, and she's saying it, and 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 I'm saying, no, boys, listen. God told me she's not going to die, and she's going, yes, I am. It was one of the. I, I just can't tell you how painful and terrible that whole experience was. And yet, somehow, in the midst of it, I had a sense of peace, not so much a feeling like oh man, what a great day. Not that kind of a chill, kind of having a good sense of everything kind of peace. But there was something that allowed me to focus on what was most important. There was an ability that was not coming from me to crank up the volume, intentionally crank up the volume on what I was hearing God saying and turn down the volume on the rest to take the action that needed to be taken to get it done. I look back on that, and I know I can't explain that to you. I can't promise that you would hear the voice of God every time you're in turmoil. I I can't explain. It's beyond my understanding, and that's what this means. Uh, Peace that passes understanding means it's not something we can control. It's not something that we have complete understanding of. It's beyond our understanding. It transcends. It goes right in between and just obliterates all the stuff we really get and understand or think we do you can know it. You can experience it. Paul, in Philippians 4, which he starts out his career by imprisoning people. He ends up writing most of the New Testament from prison. Philippians 4 is no exception. I'm going to read this passage and we're going to start wrapping up here. Uh, he says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. There's that Peaceful relationships idea. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Here's more of the trust part. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. By the way, today I'm reading every scripture out of the New Living Translation but this is, this is where we got the phrase, peace that passes understanding. There's, it's this passage. He says, when you don't worry, instead you turn the volume down on that, you turn the volume up on praying and trusting God, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Again, you're cranking up the volume on that. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice. Notice now it's the other kind of pieces. well. It's always intertwined. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. And brothers and sisters, that is the heart of it all. That God is with us in the midst of it. That's why it's beyond our understanding because it's coming from God himself. And we're, we're fooling ourselves if we ever think we totally understand him. But he's present with us. He's not only provided all these options and given us real choices ourselves, but he's there with us. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Once again, next week, God willing, we're going to explore more about the relational aspect of all this, relating to God and relating to others in his way of peace, what he means by peace. That's part of this equation But this morning, I'd love for you to make a a, a hardcore decision, a step. Just actually do something where you're surrendering something to God because you're trusting him. Give him something. Give him something that is absolutely hard for you. Impossible. I'm not going to say hard. I'm going to say impossible. Give him something that's impossible for you to handle on your own. And watch that when you trust Him more than you fear that thing, more than you fear what could happen if He doesn't answer your prayer the way you want Him to. Watch what happens when you trust Him that way. Watch how He delivers you. Watch how He's present with you. Watch how you start to experience a peace that passes understanding. If we were here live, I would offer an invitation. There'd be a song to sing. Wherever you're hearing this today... I think I accidentally said morning a second ago from muscle memory. Whatever time of day this is, here's here, please make that choice today. And if there's a way you can contact us, let us know how we could encourage you, pray for you, walk you through that choice. We'd love to hear from you. But let me close today with the blessing that I gave to the, everyone Sunday morning, but so uh, so few here. This is a blessing to you. And this, again, is a, is a scripture. This is 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. We love you. I think we got it. Is that, is that sound okay? I didn't? Yeah. That's uh, it? Awesome. Okay. Um, Great to hear it all in one go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing, I, you can get back to me on this. Um, but one thing I'd like to consider is maybe doing this for next week's sermon in advance, just in case, and maybe posting it in a secret spot or you know, somewhere where it's not, they're like, oh, I'm just going to click on this. They'd still, we'd still shoot for the live experience. But if something went wrong, that we could go in real time, go, hey, click this link to hear the whole sermon. And they, it's already there. Sure. Like you're saying, like, on or it. Yeah, or I, honestly, like as crazy as this, this week is, but there's less for me to do other places. I, and I worked a lot on the sermon it, this was actually, it was, it's a series because it's one great big thing, you know. Um, I, I, so I, I think I could, if you're willing to do that and you think that's a good idea, I think I could finish it a little earlier in the week and just whenever you're free to do it. But if you're willing to do this, that, that way, at least if it messes up, we could at least get enough signal to, in a cell phone or something to say, hey, go to this link, and then they can watch the whole sermon right then. And, um, and if not, then we could just delete it and say, oh well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's good. Okay. Um, do you, would you want to do it like um, full, like we like just did it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like we'd record it and have the lights and the whole thing, but I'd just, I'd, I'd just say, hey, you know, I wouldn't even have an introduction or anything. I'd just say, this is part two. Okay, yeah, well, I'll leave that up to you. But at the same time, if like in the middle of the other one, there's the, hey, stop, we're off. excuse me, offline in this take. It's, you know, I messed up and all that. But the the middle part is one take. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll leave that up to you, though. And thank you so much. That concludes the Sunday Sermons podcast. You can respond to the invitation you just heard where you are right now. Don't waste this opportunity to change your life for the better. If you've made a decision or are interested in learning more, please visit us at morrisonhill.com.